Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Morning, church. Come on, can we give the Lord another hand clap of praise today? <laughs> I'm so thankful to be able to be here and to worship with you guys. It's an honor every single week that we're able to do it, and we weren't able to do it for so long. And uh, now that we're, we're back and enjoying the presence of God together, and uh, we have a special treat today. Um, we originally uh, were going to be, the mission trip was originally scheduled for this last week, and so we were going to be flying back in last night, and we had already arranged for uh, Pastor Doug to be here, and he called me and, and said, hey, do you still want to keep this date? Do we need to move this? You know, just being gracious how he is and knowing what has been going on in the world and, and just coming back into church, and I said, no, I think whatever it is that you have to say, uh, I think that our church needs to hear it. I believe God's put a word on his heart. And so he's one of our overseers. He's a mentor. He's a friend. And so will you put your hands together? Come on and help me welcome to the stage, Pastor Doug Reed. Hey, let's give it up for your pastors. Don't you love your pastors? Wow. Wow, well, it's so good to be with you guys. Good to be anywhere. Amen. Uh, this is actually, I, I've done a few in front of studio audiences, but this is actually my first time to be in front of a real live audience today. So give yourself a hand. You're my, uh, I, I don't know if I can remember how to do it, honestly. Uh, we've been, uh, we've been doing a lot of sermons filming. I actually, uh, three weeks ago, I was in three different states on the same Sunday, uh, by video. And uh, we think that went into about 6,000 homes. And so there's been some unique opportunities, but I absolutely hate preaching to my iPhone in my living room. I can tell you that because it does not give me the level of feedback that you do. So uh, it's, uh, it's wonderful again to be with you. Uh, I want to I dive right in. Um, you, know, you know, we're going through a, a, a strange time, and that's an understatement, isn't it? And uh, ha have you ever been to a concert, like a, like, a, like a fancy concert where they have an orchestra, and you show up early and everybody is tuning their instruments? That has to be like one of the worst sounds ever because you got like a hundred different instruments, but none of them are playing the same song. You understand what I mean? That's what social media sounds like right now. Uh, uh, when, when, and, it's, and, and leaders, I mean, there's so many voices coming at them. I mean, you know, you need to pray for your pastors, right? Uh, because I, I have pastor friends all over the country and really all over the world, and uh, you know, there's no right or wrong decisions being made right now. Some churches are meeting, some churches aren't. Uh, we're just faced with an unprecedented moment, and then throw on top of this uh, what's happening in our nation in the last few weeks, and uh, wow, you know, the pressure that our leaders are under. Uh, but we know that we know that God blesses unity. Amen. And, and I think part of what the world really needs right now is for the church to have a unified voice. How many of you know that nobody is no more diverse than our God? Amen. 
Our, our God created every race. He created every color. Uh, Jesus died for every single person on the planet. And uh, the church is leading the way. Maybe I'm optimistic, but as far as the churches that I've been preaching in for the last few years, the church is becoming more and more diverse all the time. And we're loving more and more people. And we need to do that. We need to lead the way in this whole reconciliation thing that's happening in our country. You know, you know something I've been studying is, is the subject. This is all for free, by the way. I won't, I won't charge you extra. Uh, uh, but uh, I've been studying the subject of empathy. Now, now, now sympathy is I feel for you. But empathy, if you look it up in the dictionary, it literally says it, it uses the word imagination. Uh, empathy is is by and, and I, th- I would say as a Christian, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we do this. I'm going to crawl into your situation, into your world. And I don't just want to feel for you. I want to feel what you feel. I, I, I want to. The Bible says, Romans 12, 5, hurt with those who hurt, mourn with those who mourn. Amen. And, and so uh, God's really doing a work, I believe, of empathy and understanding in our culture today, and, and, and I, I believe that he's going to bless it. I also believe that because we're going through a storm, uh, if, you live, if you live by the coast, you know this, that when there's a major storm, what happens is eventually there is a storm surge. Anybody ever heard them talk about that, right? You know, you know what happens in a surge? It's like the storm gets so bad that it literally starts pulling the sea out to sea. But then when it comes back, that wave that comes back, I'm preaching on this next week on Father's Day in Virginia, but that wave that comes back is actually bigger and stronger uh, than, than what was originally there. And, and I, I really believe this prophetically in my spirit, and God has spoke this to me in my ministry because, I mean, we just, golly, we just stopped keeping track. I, I don't know. I think I've had 85 cancellations or something like that. And uh, all every single team for this year, uh, probably to the tune of about $100,000 has, uh, that we would have received in our ministry has, hasn't come in. And yet the Lord has been saying to me, hey, you're in a storm, but watch it because the surge is going to come and, and it's going to make up for all of it. Amen. I, I really believe that that our God is going to is going to bless us. And in fact, for those of us that have been givers, uh, it was funny because it was about three weeks in uh, to this crisis. And I, I uh, I'm really disciplined throughout the day with my words and and my worship and just wanting uh, my, my thoughts, because I know the enemy tr- would try to get me in that area. And, and uh, it was about three weeks into this, and uh, I, I woke up in the middle of the night, because sometimes when you're allowing your conscious mind to be disciplined, the enemy tries to get you in your subconscious mind. Anybody, anybody else out there? And I woke up kind of in the middle of the night, and, and I don't know, I was just subconsciously worried about stuff. And, and the Lord spoke to me, it was about three o'clock in the morning, and he said, son, don't you know that you have been planting seeds for decades, and I have harvest I've never even called on in your life before. And he said, and then he said, go back to sleep. <laughs> uh, and, and, and we've just been walking in peace, you know, ever since that. And some of you need to receive that. God, God watches you. He knows you. He knows the generosity of your heart. Amen. And, and if you haven't been doing that, wow, this is a time to do it. Now, I don't know if it's, it's true across the board, but as far as the churches I'm associated with, which is, you know, probably about 50 of them, 
uh, just about everybody I know church-wise is uh, either doing good financially or they're up financially. I mean, you know that God created this thing called the church, amen? And he's going to take care of his church. But but I, I believe that part of it is God's people are saying, wow, if there's ever been a time that we need to be faithful, it's right now. Well, what if we just did that for decades, amen, and watch God bring a blessing to our life? Well, anyway, all that was for free. You can just receive that today. I, I want to I talk to you about worship today. In fact, the title of my message it's called Wired for Worship, and, and we're going we're gonna to talk about connecting more with what God created you for, and, and, and today I want to talk about radical gratitude, about powerful praise, about, about life-altering worship, and, and how to be thankful in a way, really, that changes absolutely everything, and, and so let's start with gratitude for just a minute. You know, psychologists and scientists tell us that for the last several years, they have been uh, looking at the subject of thankfulness and gratitude from a different perspective. In fact, many scientists and psychologists are now calling it the forgotten factor. Uh, studies and research papers abound on this subject now, and, and everybody from religion to philosophy to science, uh, they, they all agree that gratitude is really a root cause for health and happiness. In fact, the head of biologic uh, physi- uh, psychology at Duke University Medical Center, he said this. He said, if thankfulness was a drug, it would be the world's best-selling product. And, and, and it has a health maintenance indication for every single major organ in the body. Studies show that the simple act of thankfulness, the intentional attitude of gratitude, that it actually influences and multiplies the brain and body systems. Gratitude improves the mood, affecting neurotransmitters now we know this stuff right it produces feelings the body's pleasure chemicals it's literally a drug are kicked in and serotonin is released testosterone levels increase dopamine rises doctors tell us that the habit uh, uh, those that are habitually grateful that those people have a better mental state they not only feel better but they actually are physically better now now it's kind of strange because right now we're, we're all you know worried about our immune systems and I just started taking a lot of vitamin C trying to keep my immune system up and and they say that actually ungrateful people part of what it does when you complain it literally lowers your immune system but when you actually practice gratitude it actually strengthens your immune system many studies show that thankful people they live longer than unthankful people gratitude actually promotes longevity there actually is research out there that says that Heart health and gratitude are very much connected because the lack of emotional stress in grateful people is much, much better than ungrateful people. Gratitude is literally good for the heart. Now, when I read this, I thought, well, but what if I eat the whole pizza? You know, so uh, that's the first time I've tried humor in a while because it doesn't work on the video screen and didn't really work here either. But, but, uh, even, even more studies uh, show that you can lower your blood pressure. It affects your blood sugar levels. Several controlled group tests actually show that depression and a lack of gratitude is connected, that depressed people were 50% less grateful than non, non, non-depressed people, and depression ended much quicker in the lives of those that were intentionally grateful. Now, something I want to say right here is, did you know you can feel better right now? 
Even before your circumstance changes, even before the world opens back up and and maybe society gets back to some place of sanity, you can begin to feel better right now. Why? Because as soon as you begin to express gratitude, especially in the midst of your pain, it actually causes your body to have not just a spiritual, emotional reaction, but literally there is a physical reaction inside of your body. Now, sociologists believe that over the generations, many of us human beings, we have developed something that they call a negativity bias. There's actually been a lot of studies in America about this, and they say that people generally think negatively to a factor of about three to one. So actually, the average person you meet on the street, they are having three negative thoughts for every one positive thought. How many of you think this might be a problem in our society today? day. Uh, uh, now, now, I think what, what we are called to do is we are called to do something that sociologists call positive recall bias. And this is the actual ability to either recall or I would say reframe your experiences with thankfulness. Now, I'm going to try to do this uh, while I hold a microphone, but I, uh, I had, to, I had uh, uh, what, what's your name back there? I forget, but Ashley, everybody give it up for Ashley. I had Ashley make this for me. And uh, this, is, this is obviously a frame that has the word gratitude, thankfulness, worship, praise written on it. And, and so I would just say this. What if, even though we're going through a hard time and maybe financially you might be struggling right now, what if you decided that right now in this moment that you would reframe that moment with gratitude? What if you decided that even though, man, I'm going through some hurtful experiences, that you would decide that how many know that our God is always good, amen, and that you would reframe that moment uh, with gratitude, with worship? What if when you go through a tragic loss, you would realize that God is still in control, amen? I I love the book of Job because the Bible says that after Job had lost everything, that he said in that moment, yea, will I worship God? He, he even said, if God slays me, I'll worship him. In other words, if God breaks one of his own laws and commits murder, and it literally it looks like that God is completely without character, I'll go ahead and worship him anyway. I'll reframe that situation with gratitude. And by the way, at the end of the book of Job, he was blessed with double what he had. And, and some of us think that that took forever. It actually was a period of about 15 months that Job went through his struggle. Struggle. It didn't take forever. How many know everything is a season and God is a still still a good God? What if the last time you went through a failure, you decided that you would reframe that with gratitude? You see, the thankful, they reframe every aspect of their life with gratitude, with worship, with thankfulness. Now, lest we think we came to church to talk about science and psychology, let me uh, tell you this, that the Bible is way ahead of the curve, that science and psychology and sociology, they're actually just catching up with something that the scripture has taught for thousands and thousands of years. Here's just one verse out of hundreds of verses in the Bible that I could give you today. This was written 2,000 years ago, and it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and it says this, thank God in everything. Everybody say everything. How many things we were supposed to thank God in? Anybody know? This is really like you're a theologian right now. You could get it. Thank God in 
everything, right? No matter what the circumstances may be, be thankful and give thanks. For listen to this, this is the will of God. I, I, I always have people, Pastor, what is the will of God for my life? Well, we actually were just told right here. This is the will of God for all of you who are in Christ Jesus. See, God has designed your destiny around gratitude. The will of God for your life will always be tethered to thankfulness. Now, that doesn't matter if you're in this room or if you're watching online. This is God's will for your life. See, unthankful people, they fail to have joy in the journey. And, and I can tell you right now in this moment, God wants you to have joy. Now, now why, do, why does God want us to have joy? Because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our what? Why, why does the enemy want your joy? Because he wants your strength. If you're feeling weak right now, it's probably because you don't have joy. And your joy is actually attached forever to your gratitude. Now, one of the great verses in the Bible, one of the great passages that deal with this is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And it says this. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, I mean, you think that might apply to us today. We've had a little trouble come our way. Consider, everybody say consider. That's an important word. Consider it an opportunity, wow, for great what? Joy. When trouble comes your way, we should consider it what? An opportunity. I don't know the last time I looked at trouble as an opportunity, but we should. For great joy. <clears throat> for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance will have a chance to grow. So let it grow so that your endurance will be well-developed and you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, this is a language of wholeness in this verse. It's saying that we will have perfection, that we'll have completion, and that we will need nothing. In other words, how, how is God going to do this? Well, he's going to do this with, through, through this word in this verse called consider. Now, I think the word consider could be replaced with the word reframe. In other words, when you go through trials, reframe that trial as what? As an opportunity. Anybody thankful when an opportunity comes your way? I I'm thankful when an opportunity comes my way. So what would happen if we decided that we would be grateful even in the midst of trial? I think that it would absolutely change everything about us and our circumstances. Now, here's the key truth of, of the morning. Thankfulness changes everything because thankfulness changes you. Maybe, maybe today you're praying for healing and God is saying, I've already given you the capacity to be better. You're praying for healing, but God is waiting for you to be grateful. What, what, what if in this moment right now, you decided that you would thank God before things change. I, I, I believe that even though your circumstances, and by the way, circumstance should never determine the level of your gratitude. Amen? I, I mean, in fact, the greatest worship we can give is when we don't understand what's going on, but we decide to worship God anyway. So you can be reframing your life today, right now, in this moment. When I, when I was studying this subject, I came across an old illustration that I haven't used in a while. 
and it's a, it's a, it, it comes from the 17th century, and it's a guy named Christian Huggins, I think I'm saying that right, who discovered an amazing principle called entrainment. This guy was a clockmaker, and and he, he, had, he had dozens and dozens of clocks in his living room, and, and they were the old-timey clocks that kind of had the, the swinging arm, you know what I'm talking about? And he was laying on his couch one day, and he noticed that all of the clocks in his entire living room were swinging in unison. And he thought, man, that's really weird. He said, even if I tried, there's no way that I could have set those clocks to do that. So how did that happen? And it bothered him so much that he got up and he reset all the clocks. He actually reset them to make sure that they were not swinging in unison. And then he sat and he watched, and in a very short period of time, they were all in unison again. He thought, how weird is this? What demon is in my living room? You know what I'm saying? But it actually is a principle of science. It's actually in the earth today. What he discovered is entrainment is when the strongest force, so the biggest clock, the strongest force actually dictates the rhythm of all the other clocks. So what if I said to you today that gratitude is something that God has blessed with the power to do a mass realignment in every single area of your life? What, what is the strongest force in you today? I, I mean, if we were going to be honest, for some of us, the strongest force is really a spirit of complaining because it's what we do most often, right? We, we, we flew for the first time in three months yesterday and uh, had to wear the mask on the plane. And I, I really don't understand because some guy was leaning into my lap how, how we were social distancing. But, you know, the, the car rental place was messed up and the airports, nothing's efficient and took forever to get the luggage out. Of Many places have fired half of their staff. That happened at the rental car counters in Dallas. And uh, by the time we had taken two hours after our flight to get our rental car, I, I, I think I lost count at 25 complaints. And I finally looked at my wife, and I just had to be a spiritual leader, and I said, that's the last complaint of the day. Doesn't matter what else happens, we're not complaining anymore. Why? Because literally our mood was being entrained by the strongest force in the room, which was our lack of gratitude. Amen? Now, I think a lot of us, we've been walking in that for a long time, and no wonder there's so many consequences. Now, before we go any further, I want you to understand something. You were built by God to worship him. Worship is in your spiritual DNA, and, and, and gratitude is actually a part of your God-given identity in Christ. Now say this with me. I am a worshiper. I, I, I am built for worship. You are built for worship. Now, now you, you are never more in the will of God. I believe you are never more than who you, who you are designed to be. I, I believe that the Father is never more happy with you than when you worship him even though you don't understand. You worship him even though it looks like he might not be faithful. You worship him no matter what. Has gratitude abounded in this season? If it has, I can promise you your spiritual clocks are swinging in unison. 
But if it hasn't, wow, something else is in charge. So I think that at the core of our beings, at the soul level, we all know that we're built for gratitude. But something happens, doesn't it? Big question today is, what has wiped out your worship? I, I know you guys went to the lake this last week, and I was at the lake uh, uh, last year, and uh, a friend of mine wanted me to go tubing. I, I just have to tell you, I'm just not built for tubing. I, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's an evil practice uh, created by the devil. And, and, and because you get on the tube and you get going real good, and then they do the curve, you know what I'm talking about? And I would just wipe out every single time. I, I feel like this is like the, what this season has been like. So we, we wipe out and then we stop worshiping. But I got to tell you, I don't want to be knocked down in my worship by every wave that comes my way. I want there to be an entrainment, a spiritual sense, a reframing in my life that knows that my God is good no matter what I'm facing. There's a psalm in Psalm chapter 42 that's been a lot to me in this season. Some theologians believe it was written by David. Your Bible might say that it was written by one of the sons of Korah, which was they were actually worship leaders in the temple of God. David was a worship leader. I don't really know who wrote it. But this is a guy that's going through something, and he is worshiping anyway. And it, and it says this, Psalm 42, verse 5. It says, and, it, and this is the, the author of this psalm, probably David, because it's in the language. It's Davidic in its language. He, he is speaking, and he's literally speaking not to God, but he's speaking to his own soul. And he said, why, my soul, are you downcast? Have you ever felt that way? Like, why do you feel this way? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Why are you so disturbed in me? Put your hope in God. Again, he's not speaking to somebody else. He's speaking to his own soul. For I will what? I will yet praise him. What he's saying is, no matter what I feel, no matter how bad you are, I am going to worship God. So you might as well get on board, right? My Savior and my God, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. Now, if we're to be honest, a lot of us are more like this. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will forget you. Right? No, no, no. David says, therefore, I will remember you. And he says, deep, I love this, deep calls unto deep in the roar of your waterfalls. The deepest works of God are always in storms. All your waves and all your breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, and at night his song within me. This is a prayer to the God of my life. Can you feel his struggle? And I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? This guy's struggling. Why must I go about mourning oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, oh my soul, are you downcast? Why are you disturbed? Put your hope in God, for I will yet, what? Praise him. Now, this is a beautiful sermon to the soul. Don't you love the honesty of scripture? Amen? I, I think this, this author is facing what I call Three major worship or gratitude issues, if you're taking notes. And the first one is he is facing what I call the problem of presence. He feels as if God is not near to him. He, he, he longs to feel God, 
But it feels like in the toughest time of his life that God is a million miles away. Has anybody else ever been there before? I I have to tell you, I believe that it is the will of God for our lives for us to constantly have a sense of his presence. But there are times that God will draw away just to see, I believe this firmly, if we will trust him even when we don't feel him. I, I think the first time I ever went through this, I was in college. And I had been serving God for about three or four years and I was I was I preached 500 times while I was in college. I, I was I was in ministry. I in the Bible college I went to. We went to church every single morning, Monday through Friday, plus weekends, plus evening services. I was going to church like 10 times a week. I, I was I, I at that time I was doing two hours of devotion every day before I went to class. I, I love Jesus, and all of a sudden I went through a moment or through a time through a period for almost a month where I just couldn't feel His presence. I mean, five days a week being in church, standing next to people that are literally hands lifted, tears running down their face, feeling the presence of God. And, I, and there, there was times after about a week, I just like standing there like, what do you got that I don't have, man? Because I got nothing. I, I can't feel it. I mean, I'm talking one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, no sense of God's presence. So finally, I was leading a ministry team, and I... I had planned a prayer meeting on our campus for my ministry team, and and I, it was dumb because college students don't like to get up early, but I decided I'd do it at 6 o'clock in the morning. And so as fate would have it, I showed up, and I was the only one that showed up that morning. And I walked into this little back prayer room, and it's been a month since I felt God's presence. And I remember thinking out loud, I thought, well, I can't feel God, and now nobody's here. I'm just going to sit in this empty room and look at these walls, and Something rose up within me. I'd only been a Christian for four or five years at that point. But I thought, you know, I'm going to worship God even though I don't feel like it. And, and I got up and I started walking around that room. And, and I can tell you, I'm not a super you know, outgoing person. But there are times, I think, that the level and the way we pray matters. I, I think there are times that God wants emotion out of you. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus, when he was on earth, that he prayed with loud cries and with tears, and he was heard by God because of his reverent submission. Now, now listen, I, I, I think some of us were more quiet-natured, but some of us that are quiet-natured, you need to get a quiet spot where nobody can hear you and raise your voice every now and then. Amen? And that's what I did that day. I walked around that room, and I remember my voice just kept getting louder. I, I don't really sing in tune, but I really believe that when I sing worship songs, that God converts them into, like, some beautiful noise before they get to heaven. So I just began to out of tune, sing worship songs, and, 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 and just, and I remember there was about a half hour into this, and I was feeling nothing. But about a half hour into this, I pointed at the ceiling, uh, just ref- referencing heaven, and I said, God, if I never feel your presence again, I'm going to worship you like this. And when I said that, I'm telling you, it was like God ripped open the ceiling and said, all right, and poured in his spirit. And to be honest with you, I don't even remember what happened for the next hour. As I, and I've never been through that long of a dry season since. But there's something in the heart of every father, not just Father God, but every father they're about to be Father's Day, right? You know what makes me proud of my kids? When they trust me when they don't understand me. You understand what I mean? I used to tell my, my little kids when they were little, we'd go out after church or whatever, 
And uh, they knew this. They knew that if they asked what we were going to eat, that I took them to someplace I liked. But if they didn't ask what we would eat, I would take them to someplace they liked. I cannot tell you how much they failed. Three-fourths of the time they would fail because they could not stand, what are we going to go to lunch? And I'd be like, thanks for asking. We're going to that old person buffet over there because I like their chicken fried steak or whatever. And they'd be, you know, whatever. And if they didn't ask, I'd be like, well, we're going to that pizza place you like. You get what I'm saying? What was I trying to teach them? I was trying to teach them, have you ever gone hungry? Have I ever let you down? Why don't you trust me even when it seems like I'm not heading in a direction that you might think is good? You understand what I mean? Nothing makes the heart of your father more proud than when you worship him when you don't understand him. Number two is the problem of people. I heard one pastor say, man, ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. (laughs) People are attacking this guy and they're hindering his walk with God. And, and, and I, I know in my own life I've had long seasons before where I'll be on the road for five or six weeks. And uh, last year I spent 77 days away from my family in the summer. And I got to tell you, man, I was like I was so close to Jesus. It was like me and Jesus and the angels and the Holy Spirit. It was just beautiful. And then I got home and within a day it's like these people that I live with are just messing me up. And I'm like I'm not near as close to God when I'm hanging out with you people Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because it's easy to love Jesus when you've got nobody to conflict you. You've got nobody to bother you. And what, what we're going through as a society today, I don't know if I have a lot of wisdom or not, but, but I do know this. Most people that experience racism and abuse, they are disappointed with the other human beings that are around them. And if I could say something to you, I think this is, the, this is what this writer is saying in the psalm. He's saying that people have let me down, but God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a person. And I just tell you, man, from my heart, if the church needs to apologize and I have any sort of you know, authority in that, we are deeply sorry and we want to love everybody and want to be the greatest representation of God's love ever. But please, please don't judge the love of my God and the love of my Savior based on my failings. Because my God is not a man that he should lie. My God is consistent. He is faithful no matter what. Amen? The last one is what I call the problem of pain. We feel the psalmist agonize in himself as as he tries to reconcile a loving God who is also allowing pain in our life, in his life. Your waves. Whose waves? God's waves. Your breakers. Whose breakers? God's breakers. They're they're sweeping over me right now. In other words, God, you are allowing this. You could stop it, but you're letting it happen. The, The greatest conflict to our faith will always be the irreconcilable conflict that a loving God allows pain. Pastor Doug, you know, you know, you know, God could just stop this whole thing. He knew I was going to lose my job. He knew that was going to happen. How come? You get what I'm saying? Now, I could give you the easy theological answer, which is we live in a fallen world. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike and all that, but it kind of rings hollow, doesn't it? 
I remember uh, about 15 years ago, I was speaking at a youth camp in the great state of Montana, all the way up in Glacier National Park, about an hour away from Canada. It's beautiful. There's about 1,200 kids there at that camp, and I, every night, that was back in the day when you could really have church, man. I mean, every, every night I'd preach like an hour, and they would just eat it up, man, and we would, we would be in the altars from about 11 o'clock at night till about 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. It's amazing. And uh, every night I would sit down just kind of on a step, you know, after about midnight, and sometimes I would have 100 kids lined up waiting to talk to me, and I'd counsel kids till about 4 o'clock in the morning, and one little girl on, I think it was Tuesday night, she had waited almost an hour to speak to me, and about 2 a.m. she sat down next to me, and she looked at me, and she said this. She said, she said, Pastor Doug, I just have one question for you. I said, what? She said, where was God when my brother raped me? That's what she said. I know there's kids in the room. I won't elaborate, but she elaborated. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, Pastor Gabe, maybe, maybe you went to a better Bible college than I did. I don't know. But mine didn't prepare me for that. And uh, I, I just I looked at her, and, I, and, and I, I think this went straight from my spirit to my mouth. My brain wasn't involved, you know. And I said the dumbest thing you could possibly say. I looked at her, and I said, well, the Bible says that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. So uh, if that's really true, then, then God was present in that moment. And, and so where was God when that happened? Well, he was probably in the room with you. And, I, and, I, and as soon as I said it, I was like, I am the worst counselor in the universe. And, and, and she looked at me, and she said what you think she would say. She said, well, if he was in the room and he didn't stop it, well, then I hate God. And I, and I looked at her, and I said this. I said, well, sweetheart, I think, I think I would say to you today, and for somebody that's, in, that's just in unbelievable pain right now, I would say this to you. If we're going to be intellectually honest, that's a bad decision, but it's not the worst decision you could ever make. Why? Because for the rest of your life, you will have the ultimate excuse. Every time somebody you go through a struggle, I've never went through what you went through, so you can say, well, I went through this thing that messed me up, and it'll be like this warm blanket you can pull over yourself anytime you want, and, and, and it's just this bitterness. It'll be like this comfort that you just have with you. And, and I said, so, sweetheart, if you want to make that decision, then make that decision. It's your choice. But I said, let me tell you just one thing. And she said, what? I said, if you choose to do that, if you choose to be bitter, then you will never help another person. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, have you ever went to a bitter person for help? How many of you, when you're going through a struggle, you're like, I want to find the most jaded, bitter person I can possibly find. Get an appointment with them because, wow, they give great advice. You understand what I mean? You won't do it because, one, their, their advice will be jaded and bitter, and, two, they're just going to talk about themselves, right, because they can't see anybody else. So I said to her, I said, I said, that's the price tag. So let me just say another way. I, I can't explain what happened to you. I don't, I don't know why he didn't stop it. But I said, if you choose tonight to give this pain to God, to give your brokenness to God, he will take that pain and it will be like a weapon that he uses to help other people. And you'll actually be able to counsel people that I could never counsel. And I was so proud of her at about 3 o'clock in the morning giving her pain to God and watching God even that week start to use her in that moment. Now, now what am I trying to say? This might make you mad. It affects me sometimes when I think about the conflict of pain. But you need to understand what you signed up for when you decided to put your full trust in Jesus. You need to understand this. Now listen, 
It's going to sound really basic and it might make you mad. God expects you to trust him and worship him no matter what. You say, no matter what? Yeah, that's exactly what I just said. You, you mean when like some type of tragedy or abuse happens that is so unbelievable, when, when as our culture we start losing our faith in humanity, we still have to worship God? Yeah. Pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> Riots? Yeah. Right? Hardest time ever? Yeah. Lose my job? Yep. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, God whispers in our pleasure. He speaks in our consciousness, but he shouts in our pains. Wow. It is his megaphone to a deaf world. So you want to know how God's going to use you and how God's going to use me? I'll just give you one little secret, and about half of you aren't even ready to handle it. Here's one little secret. You want to know where the anointing comes from? People ask me, how, where does the anointing come from? So, where's the anointing come from? Here's where the anointing comes from. Process your pain properly, and God will take that pain, and he will turn it into an anointing. But when you process your pain wrongly, what it does, it causes you to be jaded, bitter. You lose your voice to others. But process your pain properly, and you are given a voice like no other to other people. As I was writing this, I, I was like, well, gosh, how do I close? Because I wrote this about a month ago. And the Lord brought up this phrase in me, even though. Everybody say, even though. How many know that Jesus loves you with an even though love? Amen? Aren't you glad that even though you're not so faithful, he's faithful? Even though you mess up so much, he doesn't mess up. You know, even though you don't love him perfectly, he loves you perfectly. Amen? And so the even though love of Jesus, the only way we can counter it is to have an even though worship. Job, I mentioned this earlier, Job 13, 15, he said, even though he slays me, yet will I trust him. I like Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. I just read through the, or listened through the entire Old Testament just while I was getting ready in the morning. I just hit play and, and I just finished, thank God, because it gets kind of dark in the minor prophets. Uh, I just finished it last week, but these verses stand out among a very dark book, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. He prayed this. He said, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the field lies empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will what? I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my Savior. Worship is the mightiest weapon that you possess. The enemy has no solution for the Christian that will worship God when he doesn't understand God. I think right now, right now, the enemy's like, what the crud do I have to do? Come on, man. I, I think the enemy's having like a, you ever watch that sports show? Come on, man. <laughs> he's having like a come on, man moment. Like, I think he gets his little minions together. He's like, Come on, man. I mean, what do I have to do? I mean, come on. We got riots. We got disease. We can't even meet together. And they're still worshiping. What in the world do I have to do? You know what I think he does? He's just like, I'm out of ideas. I got no solution. We've got no weapon for that. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen. I've got no weapon for that person that worships no matter what. So are you an even though worshiper? Are you a so-so worshiper? I think a lot of us, we have, we've had what I call T P 
PTFD, post-traumatic faith disorder. <laughs> In other words, you're like, well, man, I've been trusting God, but I still go through hard times. Well, well I'm sorry, but it's just always going to be a part of the package. You understand that? Until you get in your spirit that what we are going through right now is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for what? It's an opportunity to trust him no matter what. Amen? It's an opportunity to have great faith. God blesses faith. I think sometimes we think God blesses frustration. Uh, Man, if I just get frustrated enough, God's going to get me out of this. But I'm sorry, he loves you. He hates that you're frustrated. But frustration is not on the list of the things that God blesses. No, no, no. God blesses what? Hebrews 11:6. What pleases God is faith. God blesses faith. So, so, so does it take more faith to trust the Lord in this season? Yeah, it does. So is this season an opportunity? Yeah, it really is. It's an opportunity for great joy. It's an opportunity for great worship. It's an opportunity for great faith. We're going to get through this, and I believe what we're going to do is we're going to look back and we're going to say not only did we frustrate the enemy, not only did we grow, but because of that season we went through, our faith is now higher, and we know that God is in control. I, I, I hate to tell you guys, but this whole thing might be my fault. And the reason why, not because I went to some foreign country and brought back a disease, but that might have happened. But, but, uh, but this whole thing might be my fault because about four years ago I prayed a prayer. And I, and I asked God this. I said, God, I pray that you would build my ministry in such a way over the next four or five years that I would have to look back on it and go, there's no other explanation, but that's a miracle. God did it. We didn't have enough connections. We didn't have enough power. We didn't have enough faith. God, there's no other explanation, but God did it. Well, if we've ever been in a situation, in a moment, in a time, where we're going to look back and go, that shouldn't have happened, it's right now. Amen? So what an opportunity that we're faced with. Come on, let's stand to our feet. And those of you that are watching online, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two, two opportunities. I think, are, are we all right, Gabe, on time? I'll give you two opportunities right now. One is uh, if you have never really fully put your faith in Jesus, I, I, I can tell you I, I think we need to have an honest faith. We need to know that he's going to expect us to trust him no matter what, that faith in Jesus. That it, listen, it, it, isn't, it isn't the answer to all your troubles. In fact, sometimes faith in Jesus will literally invite trouble. The promise of Scripture is not a lack of struggle. The promise of Scripture is presence. I will never leave you. Amen? You're going to go through the fire, but I'll be with you. You're going to go through the struggle, but I'll be with you. Amen? So if you feel alone right now, Maybe it's, maybe it's because you've never really asked Jesus into your heart. You don't have a relationship with him. And so we're going to pray for that. The other thing we're going to pray for right now is just a simple prayer of repentance. And how many of you, either watching online or, or, or here live, you would just say, you know, I, I think that the sound of my worship has at least been turned down, if not turned off during this season. Anybody, anybody would admit that and just say, I need to correct that, you know? And and, and so, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, come on, let's just pray this together. We ask for your forgiveness, for our lack of trust in you, and we pray that you would raise our worship. We pray that you would raise our joy in this moment. And God, even more than that, come on, this is for those of you that need to be saved. I fully, right now, in this moment, I put the whole weight 
of my salvation on Christ. I can't save myself, so I ask that you would save me in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody pray. Amen. Amen.